Shalom and Hanukkah Sameach from Israel. Welcome to the second Israel News Podcast for the week of December 14th, brought to you by IsraTransfer.com, Israel's most trusted money exchange expert. My name is Adam Malaman and I'll be hosting this weekly podcast on behalf of Israel Transfer. Okay, if you're doing business with Israel, if you're buying property, if you're making Aliyah, then do make sure you catch the daily Israel Transfer uh, shekel rates and analysis video that we post every Monday through Thursday on our Facebook and LinkedIn pages. If you follow those pages, you'll get notified when those go up, as you will when these go up as well. So do check out those pages. And of course, www.isratransfer.com. That is your portal for buying and selling shekels. There's a huge amount of information in the blog on the Israeli financial system, banking, buying property in Israel, etc. Okay, about this podcast, it's not intended to be a comprehensive coverage of the news from Israel. I am sure I know there are some great sources for that. But rather, what we offer here is a brief summary of the key stories, if you like, which are driving the Israeli news cycle on each given week. Every week, we'll also try to shine a little light on a particular story. I'm very excited about this. In this edition, we'll be talking with former Knesset member and very respected political commentator, Rabbi Dov Lipman. He'll be talking about the, the, the more than likely fourth general election, which will almost certainly be in March of uh, the coming year. Now, let's get on with the stories driving the news in Israel on this, the third week of December 2020. Well, where else can we start but COVID? It's the topic that nobody can avoid wherever they may be living. Uh, And Israel has passed um, a very bleak milestone of 3,000 deaths, uh, at least 3,000 deaths which have been attributed to the virus. And unfortunately, the rate of infection in Israel is starting to rise rapidly as the reopening continues from the second lockdown, which ended late, late in October, I think, after Sukkot. Anecdotally, we can tell as citizens that it's rising because we're seeing the bidud levels around us increasing. Bidud is isolation. Uh, People who are told they have to go into isolation because they've been in contact. And when we finished the lockdown, there was almost nobody we knew. Now it's everywhere. And I'm thinking of at least half a dozen people I know personally who are now in bidud. As I said, we've passed 3,000 deaths, which is an awful number. It may seem low compared with America, but we're a small country, and that is a great many people lost to us. Over the past several days, Israel has averaged daily cases at, I think the average last week was 1,700, and, uh, I'm just looking, 1,758. Just three weeks ago, that number was around 750. Uh, the Coronavirus National Information and Knowledge Center said that given the current R rate of daily cases, they would expect us to reach 2,500 daily infections by the end of the month. Bear in mind, we're already in the middle. It's the 14th as I record this. And as I record this, the news is breaking that Israel's Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu will be entering Bidud, self-isolating again, following a member of his staff testing positive. And I just heard that one of Israel's uh, top singing stars, Ayel Golan, has also uh, tested positive. As I said earlier, it's just a sign 
that the infections are spreading and they're spreading faster and faster. And that means that a third seger, a third lockdown in January is definitely being discussed more and more. And most of us feel that it's coming um, anecdotally again. On the optimistic side, Israel expects to start a national vacation program in the a vacation? Wouldn't that be lovely? Vaccination program in the coming days. I'll take the vacation program. And a total of 82,500 people could be vaccinated every day when this program starts, uh, which apparently is, it's been reported in Israeli media as being as early as next week. Just on the side of that, 2020 uh, is a, already a record-breaking year for people being vaccinated against the flu. Apparently, that's now 24% of Israelis have got the flu shot so far. In other news, as many listeners would have heard at the end of last week, Morocco is joining the UAE and Bahrain and is normalizing its relationship with Israel. With over a million Israelis having roots in the Moroccan Jewish community, obviously this declaration has been met with much approval here and, and quite some emotional approval as well. But in fact, Jerusalem's had an interesting relationship with Rabat for decades, with some trade taking place despite the closing of consuls after the Second Intifada. And uh, there's been rumours of quite serious intelligence sharing between the Mossad and Morocco, even of drone sales to Morocco at the start of 2020. So as the Jerusalem Post reported, Morocco is very interested in Israel's expertise in agri-tech, in solar power and in water saving. And what these uh, Arab countries open up for us is, of course, a larger market for our goods and, and more than that, our genuine world-leading expertise in these areas, which they desperately need access to. And of course, Morocco, like other Arab countries, is extremely concerned about Iran. And Iran and uh, obviously Israel, uh, Israel and those countries would form an important intelligence and defense alliance against the expansion of Iran. Uh, Israel is today uh, set to announce sweeping cuts to energy emissions by 2050. Although these plans will face a great deal of scrutiny and opposition from local authorities, city leaders, industry and others, the government is aiming to present Israel's submission to the UN by the year's end. That's in line with requirements of the 2015 Paris Agreement on Climate Change. That's a story, uh, I mean, that, that has huge implications for the Israeli economy and the Israeli development of our infrastructure, which, despite the improvement to the railways, is very road-based, as anybody who's been here will know. So that is a very interesting um, story. And we'll no doubt be talking a lot more about that as, uh, as this podcast continues. Now, on to our feature story the Israeli elections. But to help us make some sense of the political machinations, I'm very excited to be joined by Rabbi Dove Lipman. I am very, very excited uh, to welcome Rabbi Dove Lipman to the podcast. Rabbi Lipman, as I'm sure many listeners know, was, I believe, the first Chava Knesset, the first member of the Knesset with an Anglo background for 30, 30 years. Rabbi Lippmann uh, hails from Washington, D.C. and was a Chava Knesset for the Yesh Atid list. Today, he is a political commentator on Israeli issues whose opinion many of us turn to first when we're slightly befuddled by Israeli politics, which is, let's face it, most of the time. 
Um, recently, uh, although he doesn't often comment on non-Israeli issues, recently he's gone pretty viral with his, I would say, evisceration of President Obama's section in his book on Israel, which I think you described as revisionist at best. And uh, you can catch him on the Ben Shapiro show. Really interesting interview. Rabbi, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you so much, Adam. It's great to be with you. We're very proud to have you. I must ask you, last week on our podcast, I said that probably by this week, we would know if there were going to be fourth elections here in Israel. Uh, Here we are. And do we know? At the moment, the Knesset is planning on, on voting tomorrow to have a first reading of the law to disperse the Knesset with the plan to have the final second and third readings on Wednesday, which means that we're heading towards an election on March 16th. Uh, As far as I know, there's no behind the scenes negotiations to try to stop this from happening. And uh, as far as all the information that's out there, uh, barring a last minute uh, change, which can happen and has happened uh, in Israeli history, we will be heading to a fourth election to be scheduled on March 16th. So we're getting confident now that it's going to happen. This is our fourth election in two years. The first three elections basically returned Prime Minister Netanyahu with variations of coalition. Uh, this third one clearly has been a, a bit of a dysfunctional marriage since the beginning. Are we looking at a fourth Bibi dysfunctional Bibi moment? It's very interesting because this election, as opposed to last time, where you had a a, a large camp that was more center-left of the Blue and White Party put together of many different parties. In this election, it's very much Likud, Netanyahu's Likud against other right-wing parties. You have Naftali Bennett and Yamina, who has emerged as a real alternative, polling within a few Mm -hmm. seats of Likud. And you have a a new development, which is Giron Saar, a longtime Likud member, Likud uh, staff member, Likud MK, Likud minister, has now broken off and has established his own party to try to unseat Netanyahu. So it's very much going to be an internal right-wing election as opposed to, in any way, right-wing against left. And what's different is, for the first time, which you didn't really have in the last elections, you actually have a few constellations that are possible based on the polls that could establish a coalition of more than 61 without the Likud as, as part of it. So Netanyahu does, I think, face perhaps his first real significant challenge, not in terms of the numbers of seats his party gets, but in terms of what you brought up, the coalition development. Because in all the past cycles, even though there were, the Blue and White Party showed that it had more than more seats than they could, but they had no path towards a government. Here you have a few parties that are less than they could, but together they could actually form a 61-plus seat government without they could and oust Netanyahu that way. That would be astonishing a right of center government without the primary right of center party that's pretty much ruled Israel on and off since uh, the 80s. It would basically be, uh, assuming that it plays out this way, we don't know, but you can have a government of Yamina led by Naftali Bennett, Guido Sars party, both of those are polling anywhere between 15 to 20 seats. If they join together with Israel Beitenu of Avigdor Lieberman, which is essentially a right-wing party that has not been willing to sit with Netanyahu, together with Gantz of Blue and White and Lapid of Yeshatid. So they're shifting a little bit uh, towards the left there. But uh, if they say we're establishing a government, as Bennett has said, that will not deal with right-wing and left-wing issues. We're not talking about security issues. We are here for three primary purposes. Number one, health. 
Number two, restoring the economy. And number three, healing the wounds within Israeli society. They could put together that group and function for a good few strong years on that platform. Wow. I really thought you were going to say, no, you know, Gidon Saar will, will use his, his muscle of a few Knesset members behind him to, to get a good position in the Bibi government. No, he came out last night and said outright, and, and I, I believe him when he says this, that he will not sit in a Netanyahu government. If Netanyahu forms a government, he will go to the opposition. He has been working with Netanyahu for many, many years and said outright that we have to give thanks to Netanyahu for all the wonderful things he has done for Israel. But there's a certain point where it's time for a leader to leave, and he cannot support Netanyahu anymore for prime minister. And he believes that Netanyahu is making decisions for personal reasons and not for uh, what's best for the state, which is a pretty strong accusation. Uh, but once he's come out yeah. and said he won't sit with Netanyahu, he won't. And, and now we all of a sudden have a situation where it'll be very, very difficult for Netanyahu to form a government, whereas it's very possible that these other groups together will be able to form a government without him. So if we're saying that um, Yamina under Naftali Bennett, who has definitely, his star has risen, he, he proved himself to be an able minister, and then uh, in a short period of defense minister, I think people thought that he was a, an excellent minister, um, people that you wouldn't expect to necessarily support a man who came from leading a very sort of the, the, almost the, the, if you like, forgive the term, the settler party. He was leading the, the Dati party on the right, is suddenly a very popular candidate for prime minister. And Gidon Saar has clearly wants the top spot. Can they make a marriage? There's no doubt that the two of them could very much work together. When Gidon Saar was on TV last night in Israel, he said, I will not sit in a government where Netanyahu is the prime minister, and I will not sit in a government where Yair Lapid is the prime minister, but very much opening the door to the possibility of some kind of a right. cooperation together with Naftali Bennett. So he definitely left that door open, and I don't have a doubt that that's where both of them kind of see the strategy going. Astonishing, because... Just a couple of years ago, Naftali Bennett failed to get enough seats to be a Chava Knesset. And now he's, you're saying he's potentially or quite possibly could be the prime minister of Israel by, by the middle of March. It, it is definitely a possibility. Again, it's going to be uh, Likud. Is, Netanyahu is a fantastic campaigner. Uh, he has done pulled off more miracles in the past than this one would be and stronger ones. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But at the moment, there's definitely a constellation where that could happen. And by the way, if at the last moment some kind of a deal is made to avoid elections, it'll be because Netanyahu is afraid of that scenario and feels that this is not a good time to go to elections, as opposed to, let's say, hold off a little bit. Let's make sure the vaccines are in place, the economy is starting to be restored, and then go to elections. That could be more advantageous for him. So if a last-minute deal is made, right. it will absolutely be because of that fear. What's interesting is the person you haven't mentioned is Benny Gantz, the alternative prime minister, the one who's supposed to rotate with Bibi. I don't think any of us are that surprised that it's not likely to happen. But it, it sounds like Gantz, who split from Lapid, to join Bibi in this, what was supposed to be an emergency corona government, although it's pretty moribund when it comes to COVID decisions, your your Facebook feed often shows. Gantz is pushing for this election, but it sounds like his political career could end. Very much so. I think that they recognize that blue and white, according to the polls, especially now with Guido and Sars party in place, 
has fallen to five or six seats. Uh, they can't be a, a significant player. However, just remember, if there is that government that I just described a minute ago, uh, where blue and white would be a, a party in that in that coalition, then Gantz could get a ministerial position out of that. There are many who are saying that he's had enough of politics and you know he tried to do this to do something good for Israel and has not worked. And he did not bank his whole career on becoming prime minister. He was a chief of staff and he can retire and move away from the mess of politics. And that might be a, a direction that he'll go in as well. But he's not looking to make this decision based on keep, keeping his seat or not. Remember, I don't think he feels like he's being very effective. Uh, in his seat as alternate prime minister and defense minister. He's not given a lot of control. He's not given a lot of information. Uh, even these peace deals that Israel has been making, the blue and white senior ministers have not been part of the information flow uh, as it led up to it. And therefore, I, I don't think he'll be feeling that he's missing very much other than the title uh, if he does uh, bring Israel to the uh, to a fourth election. So last question. I think I think we'll agree that counting out Netanyahu at any stage is is a mistake. Do you would you still say that the chances are there's a good chance that he will be the prime minister on March the 17th? It's it's definitely a strong possibility. Uh, I you know you can never count him out. Number one, number two, he does have a very strong support base. Uh, the reason why I'm less confident is just because I don't see what the coalition options uh, are going to be. The Haredi parties that pull consistently at 16 seats altogether uh, will be with him, but that's it at the moment. And therefore, you're talking about Netanyahu being somewhere in the 40s and not being able to go any further. So there's definitely, he's definitely in a precarious position. And uh, I'm going to avoid trying to be a prophet, though, to suggest uh, what could happen, because there are so many different uh, uh, um, dynamics that take place during the course of an election, and you have no idea how it's going to end up. Presumably, one option would be that he doesn't join the coalition, uh, and then presumably he would retire as leader of Likud and go fight his legal battles. And uh, Likud, uh, Gidon Saar, could then rejoin Likud as their leader, then he could end up the leader of Likud and prime minister in the next government. Yeah, I don't, see could, I don't see Lee could welcome him back. Uh, once this break has been made, the, the rhetoric has been pretty vicious and they're not very forgiving about those yeah. moves. So I wouldn't see that happening. The one, one wild card that I'll throw out there is that in the spring, there's going to be elections for president of Israel, which is an election within the Knesset itself. You have to get 61 members to vote for the president. There's a remote, remote possibility that Netanyahu at the last minute will throw himself into that role and that will buy him seven years seven years as president of Israel, during which time, A, his legal issues could be pushed off, B, perhaps he could give himself a pardon, and that might be a path that he thinks about as well. So keep that in the back of your minds. I'd never even considered President Netanyahu, although I mean, many people say he's the best foreign minister we, we ever had right to this day. So so maybe, very good role. It could be. Rabbi Littman, thank you so much for your time. I'm, I'm, it's so interesting and uh, I, I I don't know if you if you make your Facebook posts public when you do your you run down to the polls and stuff, but they are absolutely fascinating. So if anybody really wants to to, to get some kind of a grasp of Israeli politics, you'll get it from Rabbi Littman. Um, so thank I'm you. Happy to help. <laughs> thank you, and hopefully we'll have you on again in the future when I have a feeling some of your predictions here today might just come to pass. Thank you so much, and best of luck to you. Bye. Chanukah Sameach. Thank you again to Rabbi Dov Lipman, and thank you for staying with us to the end of this second edition of the Israel News Summary. 
uh, brought by Isra Transfer. Please subscribe wherever you're listening to this and a like and a share would be a wonderful thing. Of course, you can visit the isratransfer.com website where you can uh, buy and sell shekels and also access some mine information in our blog. As I said earlier on the Israeli financial system, the banking system, uh, buying property in Israel, etc. I'll be back at the start of next week with another episode. And until then, I wish everybody a Chag Hanukkah Sameach. <laughs>